Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 250, buddy. I can't believe we got it to 250. Oh, it's not th- even counting a bunch of them. I know. A third of the way to 750. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> good business. Yeah, that's a good number. It is. It yeah, is. We're not halfway to 500. That yeah, just no. seems, 500 doesn't seem exciting enough. still seems even yet odd at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it does. I like 750. But I like it, it all. It's an exciting... Uh, t- we got a, a brand new guest. Never been on the First program before. First time guest, guys. We've been banging on a lot of new guests yeah. uh, the last couple banging of months. A lot of new guest drums. A lot of new guests. <laughs> banging some guest drums going... <laughs> Calling up some people where I'm like, you know what, how come this person hasn't been on the show? I've known this guy for a long time. we got a lot we're going to talk about, too. We're going to talk about Selma, Into the Woods, The Gambler, a little more Birdman discussion, and maybe we'll talk about Campus Man, too. (laughs) (laughs) Little teaser. Definitely tease Campus Man. Shot at Arizona State's campus, my rival. Um, And we're going to talk some sports movies. Um, maybe some golden little little taste of golden little teaser of golden globes. Here's what we're gonna do: golden globes. Chris and I decided on Sunday we're gonna just he and I are gonna just give our sort of wrap up of the golden globes in a separate episode. Yes, that'll go into much detail. We'll we'll glance over a little bit. Uh, that'll be out in March. (laughs) I think that's bad. I think you think that's too long. I was gonna just say two days from now, but if you want to do March, I guess we'll find a happy medium between two days and seven weeks. Yeah, I mean, just you got to raise a little anticipation. About a award, award show that's show that dead ended. And gone. Yeah, <laughs> had three other award shows right. pass it up. I think it's good planning, buddy. Um, so um, already got advertisers lining up. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. New adver- for the show that's uh, three weeks late. <laughs> got a new advertiser for this show. Oh yeah, we do actually. Ooh, you know, for reals, we got a new advertiser. Bam. You're gonna and be hearing about that soon. Some live shows that I'm doing. It's gonna be pretty amazing. Oh guys, we got so many hot, mm-hmm. fast, thick tie-ins. We've got some fan feedback. We've got some site spotlight. It's 2015. We're fucking banging it out. Hitting hard. the ground running. We started out last week with two episodes. Boom. And a spoiler app, Hobbit spoiler app, if you haven't heard yes. it. Yes. Um, all right, so let's just introduce our guest. Let's do it. This gentleman, um, I've known this gentleman since he moved to town from uh, great Seattle, moved back here. Okay, he's telling me exactly what to say. You could all just explain this when I introduce you there, my friend. <laughs> um, uh, he's done a million things, which we're going to get into. Uh, I've done a bunch of very fun shows with this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, first time on the Nerd Headquarters from the San Fernando Valley, 818 representing Push and Believe. Now I'm doing his act. Ladies and gentlemen, Brody Stevens. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. That was a wonderful intern. Yes, I was telling you, because some people think I was born in Seattle. I was born here, but I did my career character. Brody Stevens was born in Seattle, essentially. Right. But, but you're uh, from the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, I grew up here. I what went brought to you to Seattle? Comedy, basically, the mm-hmm. arts. I grew up in playing baseball. So I was mm-hmm. a baseball guy, and I felt that just... Uh, well, you went to Arizona State, because I went to University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. You, went to Arizona. you played baseball at Arizona State. Right. I mean, I wasn't a star, but enough to get an opportunity, and it, I did get that chance. But I was so into baseball, it was like, okay, college, the best, if I can get in there, Major League Spring Training, and the Valley were known for baseball. So I just went for it. And then when I was done with that, I could have probably gone on into some form of coaching. I did coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I felt that for comedy, yeah, you at this Holly, this is Hollywood. Oh, you you know everybody. You start you you're here. No, it's like you have to go you have to go experience 
other things to become an artist. And I just knew my instincts told me, get out of LA. I always, as a kid, wanted to go to New York. It was just something about the big buildings. And I never really traveled outside of California. So I went all out for baseball. And then I was just here spinning my wheels after college. And I kind of wanted into the business, but who knows, you know, you intern and I knew that comedy was my best bet or being myself. And I just knew and starting here, I just didn't feel right. And they had that Northridge earthquake in 94 and it was either go, I was just spinning my wheels and it was there, go to Arizona, which to me, I just never felt that vibe or instinct to be creative. It was a baseball. That was my baseball world. And they, they like to laugh. But I think it's not that you got to go to cities. I, I find that so many comics, you got to go to a city where there's like a comedy scene, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. Seattle has one, yes. Portland has one, Minneapolis, Chicago, Denver, mm-hmm. Austin. You know what I mean? New York, obviously, they have a right. scene happening. And if a city doesn't have that, like Phoenix, they still don't. Yeah, they just, they just even with the internet. I think it's just. Philly it, scene is actually coming back. Philly finally. scene is coming back. They are, back. really? Yeah. They, well, yeah. because of Helium has helped with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, there was, you know, I was in college, there were three full-time comedy clubs, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of comics, and, you know, they were getting radio jobs, and it was a scene. And then uh, they, at one point, I think they all closed. Right. And then it, it dissipated, people left, and now with Helium, and, you know, they're starting to become more of a comedy town again. Mm-hmm. I think Boston, maybe that's the next, it would yeah, be Boston nice to get a scene, you know? Boston and San Francisco. Yeah, that, yeah. Those are really strong back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, not to say that they aren't now, but I feel like, yeah, maybe there's... No, but that's enough. true, though. You have to. And I think, you know, if you grow up in L.A., you have to go out of it yeah. and come back in some capacity, I think. So, um, yeah, and I just went, I went to Seattle. I didn't know it had the arts. And I and when I, my family told me, come up here, they really support the arts. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the minute I went up there, it was... You know, right when grunge was kind of going away and it was just, I got why, how, you know, because the weather, it's its just, it's a city up there and it just really got me going. It was a great start. I remember too, I mean, then uh, I've had some, so many fun experiences performing with you. One time we did, I think it was back when Doug was doing the Benson interruption at um, UCB and you were drumming with the... Uh, the whatever the, the yeah the the chair drums the chair drums and then you were like come on Graham join me and I yeah. whistled and we whistled and drummed together I know we did that at a show Prelude on Coanga yeah, we did something <laughs> like that I have some good photos but we may have done it a couple times like jammed it out rocked it, it out so it was fun, fun right it was such a jam because it was just like I love the that that purity of just like it's silly and fun but also it is sort of creative like we are. We are making music to I'm, a certain I mean, that's the thing now. You know, it's all about comedians uh, playing. Like stomp. Yeah, it's like stomp. Brody and I were doing our own stomp. <laughs> On 2nd Avenue. I would, you know, you hear about so many, it's all about comedians. Come, come to the show and watch the comedian play a song. I'm not knocking those shows. Like, come on down and play drums or play whatever. You're hearing musicians, comedians doing actual songs. I feel like, tr- and they're not selling it as comedy, but I think it's comedy even you know, just there's just something about banging on a chair, or and you play it serious. Yeah. That's the comedy, and I really we get into it. You can't not be into it and make music, right? And we actually were 
making music and we, we were we were into it and i also feel like is that it on was, youtube that performance <laughs> man i don't know it should it be. got taken down with copyright yeah. <laughs> from stop <laughs> yeah. there well, you the, go callback the, uh, the whistling bands tour man yeah he pulled, it. he pulled it well let's uh let's get started i really want to uh, i want to say this episode will be brought to you by vegas.com oh. we'll get into that a uh, new sponsor uh very shortly but first i want to talk about selma now you saw this movie I'm really excited to see this. Movie. I was excited to see it. Um, you know, it did win some awards at the at the Golden Globes. Um, it won one, I believe, the, right? for uh, the glory, the soundtrack That's with right. Common and uh, John Legend. Great speech, by the way. Great speech. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about biopics can, are hard to do. Sure. Um, the toughest thing about them is when you're doing an iconic person like Dr. King. Uh, and I thought this lead actor did a great job. And there's already been movies. There's been a million. Yeah, I mean, movies been, made about. Been, yeah, there's been the so subject many, matter already. Like this has been hap- This this has been covered a bunch of times. But I think this is maybe one of the first times it's been covered on such a, a large scale. Uh, Ava DuVernay has has like really kind of her first time. She's been on a lot of crew things. She's done. She's directed some TV. Um, but like this is the really the first like big budget Hollywood movie that she's done. And I think she did a, she did a really good job with it. The, the tough thing that you, that you're dealing with, um, with Selma, and I want to bring this up on IMDb, um, the lead actor, uh, David Oyelowo. I'm totally mispronouncing that. He's Hawaiian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's <totally> Hawaiian. Yes. <laughs> Mahalo. Um, Johnny Grasskirt. Yeah. Johnny Grasskirt, uh, is Dr. King is one of the best public speakers of the last hundred years. I mean, literally, you've got FDR, you've got uh, Kennedy, you've got Churchill. Churchill, I was going to say. You know yeah, what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's the short list. Mm-hmm. So this actor who does, an, who does a great job and... I was reminded of, I just saw on, on HBO Walk the Line, mm-hmm. the Johnny Cash film, which I like, and I like Joaquin Phoenix. And I was sort of making comparisons because I think Walk the Line's a good movie, and it's really about his relationship to uh, June Carter and kind of their how their relationship and love affair. And Is that what this focus for this film was? No, 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 no. Oh. This is about Selma, Alabama. They, okay. they, it's about how big of a deal that was right. and, and, and all that. The thing is, is like, the first speech he gives in my head, I was like, oh man. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. That's not fair. This guy's a very good actor. He's doing an excellent job. Mm-hmm. And no one is going to be able to give a speech like Dr. King. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, ne- no one's ever going to be I'm able sure to do that. I'm sure he studied it. Yeah, yeah, of course he studied it. <laughs> he did an yeah. excellent job. What this movie really focuses on, and that the director was right for doing this, is all of the behind the scenes stuff of this specific event. Okay. Because I, and most of us, I only know the Dr. King from the big speeches. Right. I don't, and so seeing him scared, what are we doing? Am I making a mistake? Am I leading these people to get slaughtered? You know, um, and to see the politicking going on. So, so, the, so all the actors are real. There's just really solid actors that they cast in all of these parts. Um, the, and and, and sh- the director didn't shy away from the fact that he was, you know, he had extramarital affairs. He was yes. cheating on his wife and how they dealt with that. The scene between him and his wife w- when they dealt with that. 
The fact that there was politics, there was another organization called, God, I forget the name off the top of my head. I just saw the movie last night, but there was another uh, black rights organization in Selma that was feeling a little like uh, threatened or pissed off that they called in Dr. King and they're like, we want to handle it this way. And he had to maneuver that politics. Oh, interesting. And then okay. how he dealt with with uh, President Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's 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 a theatrical version. It's it's there's a there's one phone call between him and the president that I'm like, I, dramatized. I perhaps. doubt he spoke yeah. to the president that way. Um, was he on a cell phone? <laughs> yes, yeah. he was, it was. He was talking to him on Twitter. It was direct messaging okay. him on Twitter. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's and I've also. Because the the timeline here, um, this is, I think, 65, Selma, Alabama. So Dr. King had already been in the thick of the fight. Mm -hmm. And he realized that Selma was like, uh, so Johnson had already passed the Civil Rights Act, but he was really trying to get him to pass the Voting Act, because that's what the Selma, Alabama thing was all about, is just all of these Jim Crow laws that were just horrible to where you Mm -hmm. couldn't vote. Um, Well, technically you could, but it was like this ridiculous amount of things you had to go through to get to vote. So- um, so that was interesting. I've also heard some, you know, and, and there's a scene from the trailer where LBJ was paying by, um, Tom Wilkinson, who does a great job mm-hmm. says, you have one issue you're trying to deal with. I have a hundred and one because I'm the president. Um, but I also have heard actual phone conversations from LBJ saying, and, um, well, we need to get these riots on the TV. We need to get people getting the crap kicked out of him on TV so America sees this and then I can act. Um, this movie kind of took the thing of Dr. King sort of strong-armed LBJ into oh. that, which was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But overall, this is an excellent movie and the speech that Common gave where he said, I'm, every, I'm, I'm the kid right. who got it shot. I'm speech. the two cops who were executed, mm-hmm. you know? And... The timing on this is, you know, in light of what we're going on. And again, yeah, yeah. they made a great joke. Um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler of, yep, it's all fixed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Civil rights mm-hmm. issues fixed, which is a great joke because we're so clearly not fixed. But it showed you how important nonviolence is. Mm-hmm. There's a scene after the first time they go over the bridge and, and someone gets, or they, it was a nighttime march and they got, someone got the shit kicked out of them. I think someone might have even died or something. And a guy's like, I want a gun. Give me the gun. And the actor that plays Andrew Young is like, no, we can't. We shoot two of them, they'll kill 10 of us. That won't work. And if you look to history, Dr. King and Gandhi uh, did it nonviolently. Gandhi got the English empire to give up control of India. And then you look at, let's say, Palestine or Northern Ireland, who's been using violence and terrorism, it's not working. And I'm, I remember I was raised Irish. I mean, I'm Irish Catholic. So the England out of Ireland mantra was spoken a lot when I was a kid growing up and listening mm-hmm. to my grandmother. But then as I got older and I'm watching what the IRA was doing, I'm like, you're not helping your case. If you're bombing stuff and, you know, you two did a song about it on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and they're like, we're tired, you know, we're tired of this revolution or whatever because... And I'm generalizing. I know I'm generalizing giant, or, very complex issues in yeah. history. <laughs> and a large portion of history. A large of portion history. of history. Yeah, of world <laughs> history. But I'm just saying, 
And then the Roman Empire fell. Yeah, something like that. Roman Empire, <laughs> then the Beatles, right? Yeah. And there was a couple things happened in between. But my point is, in those instances, in, in general, using violence or terrorism, even if you're right, it's not going to work. Unless your goal is to literally overthrow. Unless you want to just like have a bloody revolution. But if you want to get your thing done, it's done with nonviolence. And the most effective thing, and the filmmaker handled this quite well, is when the beatings on that bridge, you know, were on national TV. And this director did not pull back on the on the on how brutal, brutal the violence was. And then she shows Americans of all different walks of life watching this on the news going, Jesus. Did they show some actual footage too? Or was yeah, it all recreation? Yeah, it was some recreations. They did show mm-hmm. some actual footage, but they got actual newspaper headlines because back that's back when the print media was very powerful still. And oh, by, by the was it cops the doing most of the beating or is it was it were there regular white civilians and it was a both. Ku Klux Klan in on it also? Yeah, but you saw the cops. I mean, that's what did it was the people on TV seeing cops with nightsticks just... Yeah, you've seen those images. And yeah. Those were the images. And then these they got the, actu- you know, the actual headlines and stuff uh, and then like swapped out the photo with the actor who was playing that woman who got mm-hmm. knocked out or oh, whatever. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, and it just shows, you know... And George Clooney brought it up at the, at the the Golden Globes with what happened in Paris, and the response to what happened in Paris was three point seven million people or something like that marched in Paris on Sunday with a we're standing up for this, but not like let's go get the terrorists and not root them out. It was but, something like one of the biggest demonstrations in French history ever. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it was impressive. And you were, they, what were they standing up for? Like solidarity? We won't be, in we France? won't be, uh, like here we are marching. Don't, yes, the, you know, this is our strength in numbers, feel our power and also, in a positive ma- way. It was in a positive way, but it was, it was mainly focused on um, freedom of the press um, because this, this paper, uh, the Char- the Charlie or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. does a lot of satire and they've, you know, done some stuff that's satires against uh, Muslims and Jews. Yeah, the, and, they've done the cartoon. And, car- and if you were watching the news yeah. last night, I'm, a, I'm scared. It's uh, <laughs> they said NBC the standards and practices they won't even let them show like the covers of the cartoons, like they're either blacked out or. Uh, I mean, what do you think about media. that? Do you think it's? I mean, I almost again, I'm just. Th- this is how my instincts. Maybe I'm I'm scared. I would almost like not put it up just to. Avoid the problem, but I don't know if that's the answer. I'm mean, the short term answer, maybe. I don't think that's the answer. I was watching this morning on um, because then there'll just be another, you know. Then oh, okay, they caved to this cartoon. Yeah, they, we don't like this cartoon either. Well, maybe we draw the line. Okay, we'll give you that one, but come on, <laughs> we'll give you one cartoon. <laughs> I think that's a great tactic. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I saw a woman speaking uh, from Reporters Without Borders. And she was just like, no. And she, and she, was, she was at the march on Sunday. And she goes, one of the things that was amazing where there was Muslims marching saying, I don't agree with these cartoons, right. but I agree with your right to put them out there. Yeah, if you, if you lose your satire, uh, you lose your art. 
When you mm-hmm. lose your art, you lose your civilization. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really where it goes. And and I think, you know, the fact that this movie is the timing of it is unbelievable considering what happened in Paris, considering what's been right. going on in Ferguson, in New York City. And it was just, uh, it showed like why it has to be nonviolent. And now it's different. The media now doesn't want to show peaceful marches. The media gets good ratings. No, so ratings. Let, okay, let me give you an example. Okay, well, what about with this, the ISIS thing? Is this all related? Is that something? Or like, what about specifically on that? Is there any way you, these guys are so brutal, they're so, and I know like they're probably going to have, you can't beat up, meaning like there'll always be one, you can't get rid of them all. Right. Whatever, and whatever you mean, yeah. rid, but how do you handle that specific well, that's. I mean, I'm. I'm talking about. I mean, ISIS. Yeah, they're they're crazy and they're violent and they're evil. <laughs> it's like they're like a the whole other world. They're fucking evil, and that you have to. I mean, of course, you have to defend against that in some capacity. I'm talking about though. Well, well you know, the print run of this Charlie magazine. They said the next run of the magazine is usually about fifty, sixty thousand. It's going to be three million. Three million for the next two. But that's great. Mm-hmm. But, and so, I think though, like, you know. I think what I'm speaking of specifically is like the protests in Ferguson or the protests in New York, they got to stay nonviolent because, because, and if the cops are showing too much force, which they have, especially Ferguson, they're showing up in like, you know, well, the difference is now that stuff goes up on YouTube immediately. Right. It goes like, like there's no, you know, there's not, there's no media blackout. And if there is with corporate media, it doesn't matter. It goes online. Right. But yeah, but I'll, I'll give, I'll give you an example. In August, when the Michael Brown shooting first happened, and I was watching the mainstream, I was watching CNN and MSNBC, um, and they were showing the, the first riots and stuff that were happening. And then online, I saw photos of like uh, a black dude handing a cop a rose and signs like we we appreciate the police but you know we want and and all these peaceful nonviolent things and the mainstream corporate media that's not good ratings turning over cop cars is good ratings so i was like why is our current media not even showing because now it's all about news f- fear yeah exactly <laughs> they're not showing the whole thing they're not showing yeah. the people who are yeah. like hey we we do want to resolve this peacefully. We do think something needs to be done because an unarmed kid got shot. That's wrong. But we don't want to start more violence. I mean, really, the lesson here is that Comcast should own everything. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the takeaway totally, here. It's, let's it's really that where one. we're anyway, going. Anyway, I mean, these subjects all are, are relatable, and I think I would... I would so definitely recommended. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's well acted. Um, and this lead actor, he does a great job of showing the human side of Dr. King flaws, fears, all of the stuff and, 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 and everyone around. Cause you think about it, we're going to go march on a bridge today and someone could die. <laughs> That's not yeah. easy to no. do. Uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's, it's, it's a really good film. And I, and I, and I loved what common said at, at uh, the golden yeah, Globes. So basically, you know, you wanted the guys I'm like, I want to march in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for real, like, and it's, it was, uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a good film, and it's it's why, as I said, I love this time of year because everything that comes out is is good. So let's talk about let's talk about now. Um, we'll get a little lighter. Oh, you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Let's do. Uh, you know, you had seen Birdman recently. Birdman and, supposed to. Yeah, and it did. Zach well. made me. It did. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it uh, it did well at the uh, it did Golden well at the Globes. Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Michael Keaton won Best Director. Won Best Director? No, no. Wes Anderson won that. Yeah, uh, Michael Keaton won Best Actor. In a one, but the three guys came up and won the three directors of it. Guys who wrote it, directed it, voiceovered it. The Spanish guys or Argentine. They're either Argentine or Buenos Aires. Yeah. Brody, that's uh, the same thing. Birdman won Best Screenplay. That's what it was. That's what they won. Uh, Michael Keaton won Best Actor. I saw it. I'm supposed to give my opinion? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was stylish. But it didn't... You know, I, 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 I get a weird thing like this. The Michael Keaton, it really is... I don't know if it's like... Uh, when I saw the Golden Globes, I just felt like that moment, it was it was his moment. He knew it was coming. This was, he's almost, it's almost like art, life imitating art with right. this thing. And I saw it. And yes, aesthetically and the acting, Ed Norton was great. Zach was great. You know, oh, everybody was great in it. But I just felt there was just something. I'm not hating on Michael Keaton. I loved him in all his films. I just felt like this. There's just something about it that. I'm not saying it didn't seem sincere. It just it, it it just. Yeah, you didn't love it. It wasn't like a Mickey. You know, like when Mickey Rourke had his moment, the or the wrestler, the wrestler yeah. or I'm not saying Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights. He had a smaller part, but moments. It just didn't seem like it seemed like it was like. For him, it was like this, even to the speech, which was a little weird, talking about him and his son, and I just wasn't buying it. I just wasn't, didn't fall in love with it. I liked the movie, but I saw, for example, Nightcrawler. I enjoyed that more. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. I was... You think he... Jake Gyllenhaal is... is I mean, Oscar nominations are coming out soon. Um do you think he might? I mean, it's going to be a crowded field. He might get a nomination. I don't think the movie will get nominated, mm-hmm. uh, but he might. He was great, and you know, he lost the weight. He was just driven. It he was, was like a great he, creep. creep yeah, lunatic. yeah, he like, nailed it. it. Was like Taxi Driver, and also really for the thing that the hardest thing about that type of role is how do you make it feel sincere? And he did. Like he really felt like, oh, that's that's a real guy. Yeah, it's, really I believed him. I wasn't yeah. like, oh, he's playing a like a, yeah. a version of a wing nut. I was like, right. no, I. Yeah, I believe it. I yeah, believe this guy Keaton. I'm not a hater. It was like he was playing himself. Maybe there's a reason why he doesn't. What, 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 I'm not saying like what else has he been in since before right. Birdman, but it was Herbie the Love Bug. I mean, let's let's be. <laughs> I mean, he did like <laughs> drop shift. off a little bit, right? Sure. Michael Keaton dropped off for right. whatever reason, and I, I I I saw Birdman, and I just it didn't. He didn't. Mr. He didn't. Mom. He was missing something that, and I just don't. I I I get the hubbub and the hoobla, but mm-hmm. it just just seeing Nightcrawler really just. Hammered at home. Jake Gyllenhaal, the guy's really good. Maybe we'll get a Beetlejuice sequel. And I'm not, again, I'm not hating on Michael Keaton. God, this is going to get out and Zach's going <laughs> to, he's going to push me away even further. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be myself on these things. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into. Uh, now, I want to, I have a lot to say about this next film, uh, Into the Woods. Wow. And let's bring this up on IMDb. And the most surprising thing about this film... Why did you see this? We went, the family wanted to oh, see it. Okay. family wanted to go. Um, you know, both kids and my wife wanted to see it. And here's the crazy thing. It's pretty good. 
What? That's, what? that's how we made fun of this movie. I know, I know. And this is here. Well, here's the thing. If I was the director, Rob Marshall, I would find the trailer editor and fucking strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> because basically, what he did with that trailer was take like, say, you took Anchorman and took made a trailer of an, a biopic about an actual um, news reporter. <laughs> that's the equivalent of what happened with this trailer. Um, what this trailer did was take the dumbest, most over-the-top parts of the film and string them together like this was some overly dramatic musical hook-type movie. <laughs> and it wasn't that at all. It, was hook, actually, it wasn't hook with singing? Yeah, it, that's because that's what it looked like. Overproduced, overly dramatic, overacted. It looked horrible. The trailer made this movie look absolutely horrible. So, And it wasn't the case. Turns out the uh, one of the writers of the stage play actually wrote the screenplay, um, Rob Marshall did a, a really nice job with directing it. And um, some of the over-the-top moments, especially with like Chris Pine, were played that way. They were actually kind of, um, they were campy and like, this is Prince Charming, and but they were in on the joke. So it was a much different film than the trailer show. Wow. It's like dark. It's almost like a Tim Burton feel. With it, had, the it had, it had, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, the, the other thing the trailer did was just make it look um, absolutely ridiculous. And uh, it wasn't. It was actually more grounded. You know, the singing was mostly good. Um, there's the other thing about the trailer. You would think when you're making a trailer for a musical, you'd show somebody singing. Yeah, you know, that's didn't see it. I had no There's idea no it was a musical. Yeah. Unless There's I... No <laughs> Rob Marshall, you think, maybe, yeah. Chicago, but... Um, no? But you, you also see that... Um uh, there's like a ton of stars in like, and even like that aren't even in the show. Like Tracy Ullman is in it. She does a really good job. She plays uh-huh. the mother of Jack or Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, now, Meryl Streep uh, mostly does a good job. Her worst moments were the ones in the trailer that, that, that showed like how ridiculous she looks and how she overacts. And there were a couple of those moments. And somehow the trailer editor found them all and put them, stuck them in the trailer. And uh, but there's some there's some fun parts with her, and she's a mediocre singer now. I didn't see Mamma Mia, but the reports are that she sings much better in this than in uh, Mamma oh. Mia. Uh, that's <laughs> so. There's definitely been an improvement. Um, uh, Anna Kendrick does an amazing job. She's she's a good singer. She's um, fun. Uh, Emily Blunt does a really good job, and she actually can sing. Um, but then we get to some of the problems of the film. Here we go. And, and here's one of the biggest problems is don't cast actors who can't sing in a musical movie. It's like um, when the Les Mis movie came out and uh, um, you have these um, actors that I'm like, well, uh, I don't okay, I get it. You know, you have to sell tickets, but they can't sing. You know, don't, don't put actual singers in the movie. Like uh, the weakest part of the film by far was Johnny Depp. I mean, and the but here's the thing: you'd think he's in the entire movie from the trailer. Again, it's like, oh, there's like a reveal. There's like a uh, there's a big reveal. Like uh, we're hiding Johnny Depp because he's so awesome in this movie. Uh, he is not. He is terrible in this film. Really? And he's the big bad wolf in a zoot suit because he wanted to dress like a Tex Avery cartoon, and they let him. But here's the thing: he's only in one scene, so he doesn't ruin the movie. He just ruins the scene that he's in. <laughs> And this is also a failure of the production design. Johnny Depp managed to ruin the production design for his scene. That's what's so amazing, too. Like, you have this well-realized world, and you also have very good production design. You see, like, castles and haunted forests and giants, and you see all that stuff. Then all of a sudden, you see Johnny Depp as the big bad wolf 
how like he just came off from the cast of Cats. Like he literally he comes on. <laughs> he he's got stole this the weird costume stuff yeah. that didn't work. Yeah, like, yeah. He, like this weird, you know, that just this post on tail and like you know the, the, the extra bin that yeah. for Cats. He just. <laughs> It looks, I'm like, wait a minute! For this movie, you could you could motion capture this. You could make him some type of werewolf. You could do anything, and you could even uh, have someone else sing his part. But so you could cast almost, someone else. You could <laughs> cast someone else. You Did could, they? Was his name uh, uh, on the poster? And oh, Johnny it, Jepp? It has to Johnny be. Johnny Jepp? You could, Johnny. Yeah, you could not let him choose his own costume. You could do that. Oh, uh, so it was unbelievable. <laughs> like, like it's it stuck out so much as a sore spot. It's like, did uh, he get jealous of Helena Bonham Carter? <laughs> and just say, I want to wear big skirts yeah. and prosthetics Jesus, in every movie. You would think that. Like, you literally, it's like, all right, Lone Ranger 2, that's how I'm approaching this role. And it was, it's really, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, like, and and now at this point, Johnny Depp, did he really help sell tickets to Into the Woods? No. Did he? That's what I'm saying. Like, after the, after the, you know, know. the Lone Ranger. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. So, this movie, it's a little too long, um, but it's got some great songs in it, and the story is definitely Disney-fied. There's some um you know sexual innuendos and sexual awakening but it's Ooh. so watered down that you know you can't you can bring your kids to this movie right. uh, but I, I again I, I did a 180 on it after um you know don't watch the trailer if you're interested in seeing this movie right. um it was it's actually um it's very well put together with some glaring parts uh, that are all in the trailer so just subtract all the parts in the movie that are in the trailer and you've actually got a really uh, good movie <laughs> So, so yeah. So ignore the trailer. See the film. Um, yeah, thumbs up on Into the Woods. Nice. Never, yeah. never in a million years. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my god, two hours. I have to sit here. And uh, then it started. I'm like, oh, you know what? It's not bad. Okay. Oh, this is nothing like what I. Oh, okay. All right. I'm on board. Oh, Johnny Depp. I'm off. Oh. I'm off again. All right. Now I'm on board. It was only one scene. All right. Um, so I saw The Gambler. Yes. Now, this is basically a remake of the James Caan movie from the 70s. Um, a loose remake, if I... I Rollerball. Yeah, yeah, it's a remake of Rollerball. No, not the, the movie called The Gambler. Yeah. You know, no, this is, the, of course, the... <laughs> um, so, uh, I, this movie reminds me of Drive. It came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Slow, methodical at times. And my guess is... Boring. <laughs> well, my guess is is that there was that split. Like, I really like Drive, right, and right. you and others were like, yeah, no, kind of boring. Didn't, buy it. didn't like it. I think that's going to be the reaction to this film. Okay. Who directed it? Uh, Rupert Wyatt, who okay. has... I'm going to bring up his IMDb. Now, he has done um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I like, The Escapist. He's uh, done some short films. Um, so... Okay. Yeah. I think this this it's a weird movie to remake. It is a weird movie to remake. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like Rollerball. It wasn't this like iconic film from the seventies. It was just one of those smaller movies. Um, Mark Wahlberg, he does a good job. This is his okay. first like non Mark Wahlbergian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a tough guy. He's scrawny. He's disheveled. Um, he keeps making stupid mistakes. He keeps getting the shit. He gets his shit kicked out of him. He's addicted to. Yeah, gambling. he's a gambler. He's a gambling addict. Um, and like Drive, you've got great scenes. Like John Goodman is is 
awesome. I think uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple scenes with with Goodman where he plays uh, this mob guy, and um, I feel like uh, the the James um, let's see who was that James Toback was one of the writers I believe on the original 1974 The Gambler, um, so he wrote yeah he wrote the original so the, I think they used some of the it feels like some of the dialogue and some of the was the same. Again, I haven't seen the, the original gambler from 74 in quite some time, but he just sort of goes on. Uh, Mark Wahlberg goes on cause he's a literary professor. Mm-hmm. He goes on these rants um, that I, that are like, I liked. And here's the thing. I think I, I, I like this and I like the slow pace of it. And Brie Larson um plays like this girl in college who's into him and stuff like that. And their relationship is really bizarre, but in an interesting way. And I think there's really good scenes. It is, I don't know if everyone's going to like it. Um, I know it's not getting a lot of award buzz. Um, not that I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's also, like you say, it's a crowded field and best leading actor when you've got Steve Carell and you've got all these other people bringing in these and the, the dude that played uh, Dr. King and all these yeah. other people. I think it's just going to be hard for Mark Wahlberg to break through on any of it. I think that I haven't seen it yet, but I think we're a little not burnt out on the whole gambler, the card. Uh, to me, you see it, the gamblers. It uh, was one of these poker movies. Is it one of these card counting films? Is it? It's been a while since Rounders. Yeah, for but we had that twenty one film. I know what you're oh, talking. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was that, and like these guys who, have, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I thought it was that a little bit going in. I'm a little bur- burnt out on the, the the Vegas movies, that kind sure. of thing. And then also with him specifically, maybe because he had that, you know, he had the uh, you know the fighter, mm-hmm. and he had his quote unquote moment. And I also think there's been a little, I don't know, if this comes into play, but maybe some negative negative press uh, towards him that could come into play people a uh, personal especially like recently with the, what, what's been i don't again i'm being a downer i'm going okay. after these guys no but he got in trouble he wanted to get his record expunged sure of the uh of the uh violence yeah he beat someone up a long time ago yeah it was actually a vietnamese guy mm-hmm. and he's the guy's blind and he did i think he did accept his apology but I, and then he had the 9-11 comments about if he was in the cockpit or whatever. So I think these <laughs> things are kind of, uh, were a little Wahlberg'd out, I think. There's a little bit of that. It's weird a guy like that would shoot his mouth off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about in terms of getting no, it's a, votes. Those are valid. That's a valid point because that it, that does, that kind of stuff does figure in. Because it does. Everyone says it doesn't, but it really does. Of course does. it does because yeah. <laughs> we, we get those ballots. You know, and it's you're I've you know for the SAG awards you get the ballots, and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this I've met this guy. This guy's a stroke. I'm not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, like stroke. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So uh, I could see how that would happen if somebody works with a guy and he's a pain in the ass or whatever. I can definitely see how that figure figures in. I think it's worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Is it a rush out and see it because it's going to be there on Oscar night? No. Well, good luck if you want to try to rush out. And yeah, see it. I mean it's, it's, it's very it's, limited release. But I think this is a movie when it does come out on DVD down the road. I think mm-hmm. it's worth it's watching. Worth it's worth okay. a Netflix watch. Okay, it's worth checking out. Okay. All right, ready for our uh, new oh, advertiser? I'm ready. I'm so ready. Yeah, work it. 
Advertiser work it. Ad- now, this is actually not only a new advertiser, but a new advertiser to podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vegas.com. And this is a really good advertiser, especially for, we think, for you guys, too, is because, you know, you got a lot of travel sites like um, Travelocity and all these other ones. But they, they're all like these big global kind of things. The thing about Vegas.com is... Uh, they serve up Vegas from the inside, as they say, because they're actually from. They Vegas. live there. They actually they're live there. there, and they work there, and they know. You know, they they know they know what's there, what's to see, and what to avoid, and um, how to get uh, discounts. That's what's great. I mean, if you have people actually on the ground there, you can always get uh, better deals. And here's some of the deals you can get. Like I am headlining the Improv at Harrah's Hotel and Casino. What are Se- those dates, Graham? That is February seventeenth through the twenty second. So if you go to Vegas.com and use coupon code CFN, you can get 10% off tickets to see me perform. Mm, that Vegas. is perfect. Now, and I like Vegas. I know I was taking a shot at Vegas maybe through the gambler. No way. But say I want to say I want to go to Vegas and I don't want to see you. Can oh, I get a discount on options. something on another show? Yeah, you could. I mean, you're a dick. But you can you could definitely get a discount. Like you could go see Blue Man Group or I'll say this. There's a bunch of Cirque du Soleil shows. Mm-hmm. I've One at seen, every casino. <laughs> I've seen two of them. Mm-hmm. The O Show is... That's fantastic. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I want to see the Beatles one. Mm-hmm. I don't get to go to as many because I'm always performing. Right, right. But like, I would say come out to Vegas. The MGM one's really good, too. The MGM one's saw great. That, that Cirque du Soleil. And the other thing, too, that Vegas.com does is... They know when it's slow because here's the thing: Vegas has so many hotel rooms and so many shows that if you can be flexible, go there midweek. Vegas.com knows better than anybody how to get. Like I remember staying once at a hotel room at like the Flamingo for like twenty five bucks a night. Yeah, because be- someone was murdered there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vegas really I love does saying that kind of stuff. <laughs> It really does have a lot of character. I haven't been there uh, for like a vacation for years and years and years, but there is something about Vegas, even downtown, and just there is some character there. They've added a lot of the thing is, I always say is like some people are like oh, I don't gamble. I'm like you know, you don't have, you don't have to gamble. You don't There's have to. Things. You know what we went to last time we were there was great. The Mob Museum. The Mob Museum is fantastic. Remember we did Kiss Mini Golf. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Kiss Mini Golf. That was great. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have this things called the Body Exhibition. The, you know the body exhibit they're like in every <laughs> uh so like kiss mini golf is one of the more vegas things i've ever done. you're never gonna see in the pools else. yeah, yeah. The oh, pools i mean come are, on the pools are nice yeah so uh, here's the great thing too about vegas.com is you can actually book everything there you could do um uh air hotel packages um tickets off and tours tours everything the so cfn will get you 10 percent off everything except air and uh hotel but 10 percent off any of the shows any, any shows of the yeah anything what about helicopter tour that's air that's 10 percent off 10 percent off oh, airfare to yeah. vegas you can't get the 10 percent off but a helicopter tour guess what that's under tour pal you get 10 percent yeah off. And drop, you're, still, you're still in the air yeah drop me off at burbank yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you're just gonna have a tour can i get a tour of the 15 freeway and that's that's how you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get uh, bottle service at clubs for you uh, younger listeners you and, uh, <laughs> your listener. there's there's old alcoholics who listen to the show come 
on, buddy. Don't be, don't, don't be mean. They're not going to a club, though. They're going to like one of those bars in the- uh, Yeah, go to downtown yeah, yeah. Bay, just drink, play nickel yeah. slots. Yeah, they're not shit. waiting in a line. No, no, booze it up, <laughs> some poker at the bar, bang, yep. bang, boom. So check it out, Vegas.com. You will not be disappointed. Go see Graham or go see Cirque du Soleil. 10% off either way, code CFN. Boom, book it. Um, speaking of discounts, this is not, this is the worst tie-in ever. <laughs> You're looking at me like, how are like, you going to wait, 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 we have another advertiser? I was starting to think how I'm going to tie that into Brody. Now you've watched a lot of sports movies. That's the horror. <laughs> that's the worst tie-in anyone's ever done. The rookie, Close enough. One of my favorites. Well, um, let's talk about Campus Man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So, so, what are some of your favorite sports movies? I mean, of course, uh, I did mention The Rookie. That was one that really did hit home. Mm-hmm. Karate Kid, of course, being from the Valley. Bad News Bears. Um, of course, Rocky. What's one of your t- like top two or three sports movies? I mean, those ones, I mean, for me, the baseball, I, I, I honestly, with that Rookie, because I, I played base, I still do. I still throw. I'm 44 years old, and I still play catch and throw bullpens and so that one really stuck the, struck Dennis Quaid yeah based just on a true story yeah, based yeah, on a yeah. true story kept me going and did you like Moneyball too I like Moneyball I thought mm-hmm. it was great I thought uh you know Brad Pitt was great I thought all the acting was great mm-hmm. the story Jonah Hill so I mean Moneyball was right on and you know you can get these baseball but I want to see this uh speaking of sports movies the one I the, the new Kevin Costner uh MacArthur uh, USA. It's about him being a coach of these Latino cross country. Oh, it looks good. It's a Disney film. So you always find. And the other one I want to see, which I haven't, is the uh, John Hamm film with the oh, Indian pictures, yeah. the I kids. That. That's, that's a, based off a true story as well. That's a good film. You Makes were excited f- about that movie. You're like, I know it's going to be by the numbers, but man, I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I did like that movie. Um, you're talking about McFarland USA. Yeah, that's, that's the one that's I want to see that this year. And uh, oh, you know, it's on quite a bit. Uh, for love of the game. Now you have some insight on, on that film. Yes, I do. Tell us. Well, John C. Riley, the plays the catcher, catcher plays the catcher mm-hmm. in the movie for the Detroit Tigers, and it's a Kevin Costner throwing a no hitter, a perfect game, and going through his life. It's such a great because he he's that movie. He's playing this older dude, the last probably last leg of his career. And he's flashing back in his life while he's on the mound throwing the perfect game. Mm-hmm. And then they got Vin Scully, who is one of my favorite baseball announcers, calling this this just beautiful one last yeah. ounce in the tank, you know, just perfect. But anyway, I'm sorry. So what do you? So the the film they're playing the uh, Yankees, Direct, directed by Sam Raimi. You got it, Spider Man, right? Mm-hmm. And Evil Dead. Yep. So, so the the film is. It was shot at Yankee Stadium. It was based, you know, shot in real time, I think. And it was done, I don't want to say 97 or 98. 99. 99, okay. And they shot it. Okay, so John C. Riley's in it. He's the catcher. Mm-hmm. And they needed some Yankee players. My friend that I grew up with, Michael Brzello, he was a coach. He went on to, he was a coach of the Yankees at the time. He was there for 96 through 2008 or whatever. But they were shooting the film. So they actually had a couple Yankee young players or minor leaguers be in it. They needed guys uh, to look like for the background mm-hmm. type things. And John C. Riley was the catcher, but he couldn't catch. I mean, they gave him a brand new glove. The ball's popping out. He's not he's not bad at baseball because there are baseball scenes, but the glove they gave him was brand new. 
They were, he wasn't great at baseball, just like not being a singer for Into the Woods. Costner's into baseball, and Costner's basically directing the film. It's, uh, you know, Sam Raimi, but it's it's Costner calling the shots there. And they're filming at a Yankee Stadium in November. This is after the World Series. The Yankees probably won that year. And John C. Riley just couldn't, just wasn't getting it done. And my friend, Mike Brazello, he was kind of a consultant on the film. They would give, uh, you know, little pointers on, right. okay, uh, you wouldn't do this. after If you pitched a perfect game, you wouldn't walk off the field. They would lift you up. And if that ball was there, you'd the, the, they would run this. So he really did. Because a lot of baseball films you watch, you go, not real, not yeah. real, bad. This is pretty good. And Brazello had a lot to do with that. That's what he was brought in for. But And also, let's just... Catching is one of the more difficult positions in baseball. The heart, it's like, you're, well, yeah, if yeah. not the, yeah. you're, you're the quarterback. You're doing everything. So the ball's just popping out, and they end up, uh, they asked Mike to do all the baseball scenes. They go, oh, you look like him a little bit. So they like shaved his arms. And if you watch the movie, we went to see the movie, me and Brazello saw it in New York. You could totally tell. You just see movies like yeah. The Stunt Man, but you could tell, like, you see his eyes, his face. It's like different. So Brazello's than... catching Kevin Costner, not John C. Riley. Correct. <laughs> so if you want, I mean, some scenes, yes, but uh, Brazello did all the baseball scenes, basically. And then I remember, like, Costner was, uh, you know, he was kind of running, a, he was tough out there, you know, that's how he is. I think one of the guys, one of the minor league guys, like had uh, wasn't into him really, or you know, it was like ripping him or something. They were doing a scene where there's a line drive hit back to him, and the in the so he throws a ball, but for to make it real, they had a guy off the side throwing the ball at Costner to make right. it like a line drive hit yeah. back at him. So he goes, "Watch this! I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it high." Like he like would because they'd shoot the yeah. scene and have to, yeah. so he would like mess it up a couple times to make <laughs> Costner like stretch. And he was like always they 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 would just make fun of Kevin. Be, I say Kevin because he was like always ice in his arm, and he was you know. But he was, I think they overall they liked him. But if you could you could read up John C. Riley has a quote saying how uh, Brizello was his. Uh, his eye in the in the middle, something in the hurricane of the storm. The eye in the middle. So he basically really, you know, gave it up for Mike. So it's kind of cool. I always see John C. Riley. We have that connection with uh, that. So I watch that film, and I think it it holds up today. You know, Brazello, we watch, and that's a, just a big thing with movies. You watch it. That's not real. That's bad, mm-hmm. especially if you're a player. So to take pride in that, and just uh, that was kind of interesting. Oh, cool. What's little your, baseball insight people don't realize. Yeah, Connected, timed, time, <laughs> time, tied What's your in. All-time baseball film. I mean, if you were to ask me, I would say. I mean, there's so many. Field of Dreams is great. I did an homage to that on my my uh, at a Comedy Central special or show series, if you want to call it. And they had the uh, the scene with Kevin Costner and uh, you know James Earl Jones. They're at the Fenway Park and they're looking at the billboard and. You know, they see the old billboard and they have that moment. So I shot, I was shooting my show and part of it was my uh, special who happened to be in Boston. So I said, why don't we do work into my, my special where I go to uh, Fenway Park and I recreate the scene from uh, Field of Dreams where I'm sitting in the stands and I'm looking at the, the scoreboard and I see it. And my whole thing was like positive energy at the time. Still is a little bit. There is truth to that. It's just it's the secret. 
Everybody knows. <laughs> you know, the secret works. It's like, yeah, okay, I got a car, but I want more. You know, the see, I like, yeah, it does work, but how do you get the good stuff? That's what I'm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> need to update your vision board. Yes. <laughs> Dry erase. <laughs> so I, w- I went there and we had this, I just kind of thought, we were just all over the, because uh, that was the thing. I was like saying goodbye to baseball and uh, I, put da- I put down the glove and I pick up the microphone. It was like my... <laughs> It was my half hour come is you know special. It was a big moment, and so I recreate the scene. I'm sitting there, and I had a PA with me. Kind of looked like James Earl Jones, of an African American kid, and I'm looking at this. Oh my god, it's just positive energy. Oh my god. So I recreated this, the scene from that, and obviously I was in the Hangover, which all uh, you know changed my life. <laughs> you know, you do get in a movie. It does feel good. I'm not. I mean, it's a life changer in sense of it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Yeah, to be in a big budget A list motion picture. But I'll, I mean, I w- if I was to not be in another one again, I'd be okay with it. It was like, it's just, it does, it's a nice thing. That's something that was, it always lives on. That's a great thing with, especially like the internet. And it's, it's, it's up there. Yep. There's no rush. It's just going to get better. But I think, you know, Field of Dreams did it for me. Um, Brewster's Millions. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Bears. favorite baseball movie. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so, but the, honestly, Angels there, in the outfield. there's so many. You know which one I, I want to go see? The uh, Fear uh, Fear Strikes Out. I want to see that again. I want to re- revisit. That's with uh, Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. plays Jimmy Pearsall, who was a baseball player. Right. Who suffered from mental illness. Yeah, had a mental illness. Yeah. And he went away to a, uh, you know, a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to baseball. And made all-star teams and yeah, was MV- a, he was a broadcaster in Chicago for a long time. Right. I don't think people talk about that. How I mean, they say, okay, there's a stigma, and not to say that he didn't suffer some, but he had a pretty successful career in baseball. You know, being a player and in broadcasting, mm-hmm. and it's like that. That I think that's something uh, I'd like to check that out because you know, baseball is stressful, and I can see how that. <laughs> But it mirrors life. It's I really think that, you know, baseball, there is something to the films. You go, I mean, basketball has some. You have Hoosiers, football, a few here, and you get the high school football teams and some of those stories. But there's just something about baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see what the next baseball yeah. film would be. Hardball was kind of interesting. Keanu Reeves. No. Okay, now I'm stretching. I'm stretching. Okay, that was... I, I'm sorry. That was Coming a, out on DVD. We got to move along. Now. You got it. My bad. Redbox uh, denied it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gone Girl is actually going to be out on uh, DVD. If you guys miss this in the theater, it's worth seeing. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing, like, amazing things. Is this yeah, the... I, I uh, didn't love it, but... Uh, and it's funny. That's the, when you brought up a couple of those points, I, like, love... I didn't love it even more. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some stuff in there. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but there's some stuff in there that's, like... Really? No way. Yeah. But there's, there is good performances, and it is a good, a decent... Uh, I mean, I, I can't get a feel for what it is. Is it a drama? Is it suspense? Is it is a romantic... No, it's, uh, it's a suspense. It's a, it's a murder it's mystery. More thriller-ish. Thriller-ish. Yeah. yeah. Rosamund Pike is great. She's great, and Ben Affleck does a good job. There's good supporting by everybody else. There's just some plot stuff towards in the last act that's a little like, come on. But overall, it's entertaining. That's the thing. If you didn't see it in the theaters, DVD is perfect. Place yeah, to it's, watch a, it's a rental. It's a yeah, rental. it's a rental. It's a rental. Okay. Uh, a Walk Among the Tombstones. Now, this one I didn't see, but no this was the Liam this. Neeson um, when he's. Um, it's went more into thriller category than like action 
kick ass right. wolves. And, like I know yeah. Taken Three just came out this weekend, and right. we were going to review it, but why? Because we you either love the movies, or you're either going to see it or you're not. Yeah, I'm going to see yeah. it. Yeah, and if you're not going to see it, Taken's reviewer proof. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> if I t- say say go see it or don't go see it, it doesn't yeah. matter to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Men, Women, and Children. This is the Jason Reitman movie. Um, I have not seen this yet. I was, you know, it's one of those movies that. Uh, the premise is so timely and um, uh, also like just kind of poignant. It looks like it could be a really good movie, but it could also kind of take like a great premise and do nothing mm-hmm. with it. So I don't know. I'm, I, I do want to see it to see what he does with it. Um, Revenge of the Green Dragons. This is another. Um, this is a thriller. I think Martin Scorsese produced it or is like presenting it. It might be a vanity credit, but it's a uh, it's a thriller. Um, I'll give you a quick, it's yeah. uh, two best friends rise through the ranks of New York's Chinese underworld in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a period piece. Oh, that looks interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it definitely looks good. The trailer looks good. And I think, uh, I, I could yeah. have sworn it was like a Martin Scorsese. Yeah, he does, he does produce it. He does it. produce it. Okay. Um, um, so that's another good rental if you want to check out. I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking out two of these four. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh Coming out this week, Paddington. Paddington. Oh, you know what? Wait. I got to see. <laughs> I got to see a trailer of this movie, and uh, you know what? This looks like a really good kids, kids movie. Like you know, you see, there's that difference between a family movie and a kids movie. This looks like right bullseye good kids movie. That kind of thing. Kids are really going to like it. Parents are going to be checking their watches. But the thing I liked about it is when um, you know my daughter's at the age now. She's nine where she loved Guardians of the Galaxy, but still wants to see Paddington. So it's kind of that, uh, that you know, she's not too old kind of for these cute, you know, kids movies, but also she's ready for um, um, the, the more mature stuff. Who's, who's voicing Paddington? Uh, that's a good question. I know Nicole Kidman's in it. Uh, Paddington is voiced by... Uh... Donald Glover. Yeah. <laughs> That would be great. That would be so great. Uh, Thinking like Russell Brand or somebody. It's oh, good. That's a good guess. Wisha. Don't know him. Yeah, Benny Ben. I don't know either. Um, All right. So you know, if you have a kid and they've read Paddington books, you're probably gonna. You need to go see it. Uh, the Wedding Ringer. This is Kevin Hart's. <sighs> What's the deal with this? Am I? I, I, I think I almost have to go. I, I, I'm seeing this. Uh, Let's see. Let's see what the deal is. They're pushing Kevin Hart. This is it. This is he's the guy now. And they had him at the Golden Globes. Yep. I think he's funny, but this movie looks so dumb. Like it's like ride along. Like he's he's funny. Let him be funny and uh, put him in a better movie. Oh man! Like I don't know. He needs like this. Just looks not good. It's it looks like the kind of movie I would stop watching on a plane. Wow. You know, like. You'd physically turn your body around. Yes, I would shut. I'd look at the floor. <laughs> Why is he pr- promoting it so hard? I guess he's getting. I, well, yeah, he's being. It. Well, it's the whole Sony no email. He has to, but it doesn't. It's almost like I want to see, like a hate watch yeah. a little bit, just to see. And I don't know why I'm turning. I've, I've gone. Who have I gone after today? Keaton. <laughs> I went after a couple other guys, and I've gone after Danny Glover. You went after yeah. Danny. Winston Churchill. I don't know. I went after somebody else earlier. For my memory, so bad. Um, yeah, I don't. I just okay. Black Hat. Black Hat. Now this is the um, coder slash hacker movie with Thor in it. 
And uh, you know, it's uh, it looks like this. an episode of Scorpion. Yeah, I'm so, gonna, I'm it gonna, does, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, uh, remember, yeah. it's January. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. got awards bait and dumping ground. Uh, uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not on board with. Black if I hat. was on the road with nothing to do, I would absolutely. You would go black hat, black hat for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Very European. Where was that shot? Is that a even? Is that a foreign film? Is it? Uh, was sure. it down in down in Australia? Uh, or? It, it could have been some foreign funding. Uh, it has I'm to be. Guarantee it was shot in China. So yeah, it's got that feel. Thing. It's really got that feel. Or had Chinese funding or something. I mean, they had some. They had, they had some Chinese funding. It was part of it. Was shot. Yeah. In they had some local hires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> local hires. <laughs> Michael Mann directs it. Oh, maybe Miami. Uh, you know, he Viola likes- Davis is in it. Yeah, this is okay. I want to I'm going to see it. I want production notes. I'm going to see it. See it. It here. Here's my hope for this movie. It's one of those. This was so. If Ben Kingsley's in it, it's a. Uh, it's oh, a he is. Movie that, no, if, if he is, then it's a foreign movie that no one else wants to be in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I my hope for this is I'm going to watch it and go. This is good. You know, yeah. maybe like they released it the wrong time or something. I don't know. Like it. Like I don't know. That's my hope. Yeah. And, you know, up to maybe uh, if Ben King's Kingsley listening, less blood rain, more uh, sexy beast. So for your uh, choices in movies. <laughs> All right. Um, Still Alice. Now, this is a movie I had never heard of until it won the uh, Golden Globe when uh, she won for Best Actress. This is she plays a, um, a mother that is slowly developing Alzheimer's. Yeah. So and I, you hmm. know, I, I saw the trailer and. It, it does. It does look like she does a great performance in the film, but it also looks like I don't know how great this movie is going to be. It has that kind of feeling, especially like Kristen Stewart is the daughter, and she is. Oh, she is. She is completely. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expressionless. That's a. <laughs> that's not a stretch. Yeah, that's and, who she is. Yeah. And it's like, really, is this you know that you know? But that's drama, a good. That good. She's good at drama? it though. She's yeah, very yeah. good at it. <laughs> And so you wonder, like, well, is this the kind of cat you really surround good. yourself with? Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think she's going to be good at it, but I, I don't, I don't know about the actual film surrounding her. Well, I'm, you know, you're still Alice. I, I, when it got the thing, I did the same thing. I went, okay, you know, they just did a very limited release to try to get some award nominations, right. it and paid it worked. Off. It paid off, and mm-hmm. now they're going wide with it. So I'm in. I'm. You know, if a movie's playing at Skirball, does it have a chance to get wide release? <laughs> <laughs> Brody Stevens. Ladies. You got it. Push, believe, never forget. Comfortable in this neighborhood. <laughs> Short drive to the garage. It really is. Uh, I'll back it in. All right, let's do a little fan feedback. Yeah. FF. <laughs> Our fan feedback this time is we're going to go, um, we're going to pick a winner. For last week, we had Jimmy Dore on the show. For his book, yes. For his book, and whoever posts, um, we, we basically put on the Facebook page, like, tell us your favorite political f- film and why, and, we're gonna, and you're going to get a copy of his book. So our winner is Peter Frazier, and I'm going to read his favorite. We had some crazy <laughs> network, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm-hmm. So Peter Frazier, right, his, uh, my 
Favorite political film is the first Ghostbusters. Wow. <laughs> it, it preaches the evils of government oversight, the American right to privatize an emergency service, and the plight of the American small business owner trying to earn a living with Uncle Sam expecting safe business practices and EPA compliance. Let's not forget the abuse when the Ghostbusters get tossed in a mental ward against their will oh. just screams political prisoners to me. Excellent point, Peter. I, I can nothing, relate. And nothing... Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. Uh, and nothing gets me going like in the indefinite dis- uh, detention of those in society who consider this come get them off the streets, filthy ghosts. <laughs> Lastly, why Ghostbusters is my favorite political film is after getting the go-ahead by the government at the end of the first movie and save the day, they get sued out of business for breaking the top floors of one building. That's Big Brother for you. So, uh, Peter, email us uh, on Facebook your address, and you're going to get a copy of Jimmy Dore's book. Yes. And we want to thank, there was, uh, I believe, 17 comments uh, on the Facebook fan page for this one, which was really cool. Wag the Dog was put in there. Charlie Wilson's mm. War, which is great. Uh, Lincoln, which is a good one. All the President's Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Candidate. Uh, Duck Soup. Bob Roberts. Wag- the Campaign. The Campaign. The Campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Hey, are you friends with Zach Galifianakis? Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about that. Well, I don't know now after the Birdman attacks. <laughs> the Birdman attacks. Dave, uh, these are all great picks. So thank you guys for for playing along uh, with that. Also, we want to mention, too, there is an issue with our message boards right now. If you're already registered, you are still registered. But if um, you are a new fan, uh, there's an issue with uh, new registrations. We're working on that yeah, th- right now. Some of you emailed us on that. Thank you for bringing us that to our attention and we're working on it. So we will have that fixed. Um, and then site spotlight, uh, of course, Neil T weekly wrote a Hobbit review. Yes. And the, um, basically it was, you know, if Neil has Hobbit fatigue, just like Graham. Wow. So, uh, I was born with it. Yeah. But, but Neil <laughs> actually got there. He got it after, uh, he, late onset. He got it after five <laughs> movies. Yeah. He did. Adult <laughs> onset <laughs> Hobbit fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> So he got it after between 15 and 18 hours. But uh, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely he's like, there's nothing wrong with it, but check out the review. It's pretty funny. And it talks about, uh, yeah, just can we leave Middle Earth now? <laughs> I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's our program, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank our guest, Brody Stevens. Brody. You got it. Stephen Brody Stevens. Where can people find you online? Upcoming shows? You could find me on Twitter. Brody is me friend. It's an homage to Tony and Mr. Lee, my bus boys in New York. Brody, you guy, you me friend. Albanian Chinese descent. <laughs> Um, I do shows all around Los Angeles mostly. I'll be in Chicago this weekend. I'm doing an event, uh, an event with uh, Chicago Cubs for a charity out there. I will. Uh, I'm at midnight every afternoon, four times a week, doing shows, and uh, you can find me around Los Angeles Comedy Store. And I have a podcast all uh, all different. You know, what's po- it called? It's called the Festival of Friendship, and just talking. Talk. It's not as uh, we're not I'm not as focused. But uh, I do that. I love podcasting. Need to do it more, and I'm glad you asked me. So, uh, yeah, do shows, stand-up comedy, push and believe, never forget. And you're <laughs> you're also on, uh, you do Rogan and Ice House Chronicles a lot. Yeah, I do uh, a lot of, do Death Squad shows, Feral Audio. My show is on Feral Audio Network. Mm-hmm. I just have not done it consistently, consistently enough, and I think a lot of it has to... Are they based in L.A. too, Feral Audio? Yeah, they have... Uh, 
you know, Chelsea Peretti, Dan Harmon, and yeah, yeah. they have some good shows on there. So I like being a part of that, but uh, love podcasting. Every time I do it, I get inspired, but I feel like this year I'm going to have more. You know, people don't understand, like, you know, warm-up is a tough thing. You're, you're, I, I really didn't get much of a break. I got may, maybe a year off, but when I was doing that year, it was a lot of traveling. So yeah. I finally, you know, always trying to get that that balance between work and you know, you get to be a certain point, you got to like be smart with your energy and also stick up for yourself a little bit. So right. I feel like this year, you know, and seeing like you guys doing the podcast and it's always, you know, it's inspiring. You guys do a good job. I like it. Very clean, <laughs> professional. Yes, Graham. <laughs> and Christopher. <laughs> See, I get, I got the, I got the voice. I go to just channel Linda Brody. He's always yeah. going. He's on a loop. I channel into him. <laughs> Surrounded by T-shirts. Well, thank you, thank you for doing the show. Um, all right, guys, I will be uh, headlining uh, the Improv uh, in Lake Tahoe at Harvey's Hotel and Casino, February twenty eighth through. Uh, excuse me, January twenty eighth through February one, and of course the Las Vegas Improv at Harrah's. Uh, February 17th through the 22nd. And of course, you can get discounts if you go to Vegas.com and use yep. coupon code CFN. Why wouldn't you? Go for it. And I will be at the Fantasy Springs Casino this weekend in Palm Springs, Friday and Saturday night. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. My mom lives down there. Yeah, oh, tell, I'll comp her. Who are you doing Where the shows with? No idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I oh, that's to, awesome. I have to check the website. They have a bunch of shows down there at the deserts yeah. in the casinos. It's a that's a whole thing. Yeah, the improv, they go from like January then for a few months and then they just stop. That's this is the only time they do the uh, Oh, really? The but there's mm-hmm. so many casinos now on the way down there. It's mm-hmm. great. They got the in the Palm Springs Film Festival, oh, which is uh yeah. really uh and they have global. Two. They have the Palm Springs Short Film Festival too, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then obviously Coachella. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Coachella film, <laughs> Coachella music and film festival? There's got to be some kind of film stuff there. Well, no, there has to be. Oh no, just some people walking it's in around. a side tent. Yeah, somewhere somebody just projecting on the somebody's body paint. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So check all of that out, and of course, uh, you know, spread the word. Like the Facebook fan page. Follow us on the Twitter at Comedy Film Nerds. Uh, I'm at Graham Elwood. Chris is at Chris J. Mancini. You can see all my live tweets that I did during the uh, Golden Globes. Oh, that, yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and stick around later this week. We'll release a, a, a Golden Globes uh, wrap-up wrap up episode. All right. Thank you once again to Brody Stevens. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Yes.